Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Great to be with you. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. And as we were talking before the break, uh, a lot of polling going on. Uh, obviously, everything is heating up as it relates to the political rhetoric as the Republicans finish their four days uh, in the spotlight. Uh, the Democrats, of course, had theirs last week and uh, did a, a, a good job of that. I think Democrats uh, were very pleased with uh, how they came out of their convention. And uh, Republicans are working their way towards Thursday. And then everything really begins, I think, uh, post-Labor Day. Yeah, things will really pick up and, and move forward there. Now, here, here's just an interesting thing. Uh, everything uh, continues to change and evolve as it relates to politics uh, but when we look at the the polling, uh, this is really interesting. If you look at the uh, the real clear politics, which does an average of all of the national polls, uh, there's some really interesting things. So if you looked at this date, August 24th in 2016, if you looked at the key battleground states of Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Florida, uh, Michigan, and Ohio, uh, Hillary Clinton was up in each of those states, and some of them significantly, she was up 11 and a half points in Wisconsin, nine over nine points in uh, Pennsylvania, uh, up three and a half in uh, Florida. Uh, Clinton was up eight in Michigan and four and a half, almost five in, in Ohio. Uh, so she clearly had a, a lot of momentum moving in again. This is all pre-Labor Day. And <clears throat> so if you look at uh, where we are today, August 24th, 2020, the real clear politics averages in Wisconsin. Uh, Joe Biden is up six and a half in Pennsylvania. Biden's up five and a half uh, in North Carolina. Trump is up by just a, a skosh, just a point six percent. Biden's ahead in Florida by five, Michigan by six point seven and Ohio by two point three. So really interesting uh, comparisons. there. And again, this is a different election year, different election cycle. Uh, one of the big mistakes by a lot of consultants is they uh, always prosecute the last war uh, instead of the current one. And so I'm not saying that this is uh, indicative of how things will play out. But it is interesting to note because there's a, a lot of hand wringing going on uh, on the Republican side saying, wow, the, the president's down quite a bit in all of these key battleground uh, states. But again, they should remember that he was down big in all of those states uh, in 2016. So there is a long, long, long way to go in political terms before we get to the first Tuesday of November. And uh, I think that's just important for everyone to just exhale a little bit, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat or an independent or something in between. Uh, there's a long way to go. <clears throat> and it requires each of us to make sure uh, we're engaged and uh, moving forward in a way that that actually matters. Uh, if you've been listening to the program this week, uh, we've had some really fascinating stuff. We had uh, pollster Scott Rasmussen on earlier in the week. Uh, also played some uh, clips yesterday of a, a fascinating speech uh, by Elder Quentin L. Cook of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, and there was an interesting crossover uh, between these two segments that we've played throughout the week. Uh, and it really led me to a, uh, to a piece I, I wrote this morning 
that uh, really focuses on where we are. So in this 2020 political season, uh, it's heating up, as we've been talking about. The divisive rhetoric from both ends of the political spectrum are wreaking havoc, uh, havoc in a number of ways. Uh, I think it's permanently damaging the psyche of the American people who are already exhausted uh, by so much of this. Uh, the nation really is weary at the moment. And the thing that we have to watch out for is if you if you just listen to the campaign speeches, if you just kind of do a cursory uh, perusal of of the uh, headlines, it, it might cause you to think that, you know, this American exper- experiment that we're involved with is is losing. It's in peril. But the thing that the the experts and the elites, uh, some of the academics and the party acolytes, for sure, the pundits and the politicos, uh, they all seem to agree, agree on something. And what they agree on is that the American people are divided. And guess what? They have it all wrong. They have it all wrong. Not only is the country not nearly as divided as some people say we are, America is actually very united. And we're even more united on what will further unite the nation. I mentioned earlier, Scott Rasmussen's recent poll, 93% of American voters believe it's important for our leaders to focus on things that will bring people together. Uh, You can't get 93% of Americans to agree on the sky being blue. So the fact that 93% say, yeah, that is important. Uniting the nation matters. I get that. The thing that's really fascinating to me that uh, Scott Rasmussen pointed out is 73% of voters believe the best way to unite the nation. They believe in, in a simple thing that... Again, 73% of Americans, hard to get anybody to agree on that. They believe that it's the founding principles. It's the the principles of equality and justice and fairness and freedom. The American people believe that if we talk about those principles, that will, in fact, unite the nation. So we're not that divided. So when you listen, whether you listened last week to the Democrats, whether you're listening to the Republicans this week, they're all going to tell you that we are just too divided. We're too divided to deal with anything. And the thing you have to remember is that for those in power, uh, convincing us that we're too divided is good for them because it maintains the status quo and it keeps them in power. They would completely lose power if we actually did unite as a nation. And what are we going to unite around? We're going to unite around those founding principles. Equality, justice, fairness, opportunity, freedom. Uh, Everybody believes that and buys into that. So as you're listening to a lot of the rhetoric, and especially as it heats up moving forward, just make sure, as soon as you hear that we're too divided, uh, not so fast, my friend. Uh, Step back a little bit. Look to those founding principles because in those principles are where we will find unity in the country and a path towards a more perfect union. Then uh, we are just standing by. We're waiting for a a press conference to begin, and uh, we will cover that live here on KSL. Uh, Governor Gary Herbert and Dr. Angela Dunn will provide an update on the ongoing pandemic 
Uh, also very interesting today. They're going to be joined by Enterprise High School students, uh, Dally Cobb, Dawson uh, Thielen, and Brock Gardner, who will uh, speak to the issue of the importance of wearing masks. So they'll be included in the press conference today. Uh, again, we'll have uh, Governor Gary Herbert. Tammy uh, Pfeiffer, the education advisor to the office of the governor, will also uh, share some thoughts and insights today. Uh, and as always, uh, Dr. Angela Dunn uh, from the uh, state will be there. And then, as I mentioned, these three students from Enterprise High School uh, we'll talk about the importance of wearing masks. They uh, stood up and and really called out uh, their friends and their colleagues, their fellow students, uh, to wear masks because, uh, in their words, they want more football games and they want to go to school and be together. So, uh, again, we're uh, watching that. Uh, also, uh, just uh, as a reminder, as you go through the afternoon, uh, of course, you've got uh, live Mike coming up with Lee Lonsberry. I'm sure he'll give us uh, a little post game of this and also a little preview of tonight's uh, Republican National Convention. And uh, one thing we didn't uh, talk about earlier in the program was the fact that uh, Vice President Mike Pence will be speaking tonight. Uh, he'll be speaking from Fort McHenry. A very historic site there for the United States of America. So that should be a pretty majestic backdrop. Again, uh, raises lots of questions of uh, where's the right place to do these things from, again, even during a pandemic. Uh, so we'll watch that. The other thing to watch for, I think, in in, pres- in Vice President Pence's speech tonight uh, will be a preview of coming attraction. This will be a preview of 2024, whether uh, he and President Trump are successful in their reelect or not. Uh, clearly, Mike Pence is positioned to be a leader in the Republican Party. Whether he becomes the nominee in 2024 uh, will probably depend on how things go uh, this November. But that will be interesting to see in the speech. Does he plow any new ground? Does he claim any territory as something he's going to focus on for the next four years? Again, whether he's in the White House and the uh, uh, the West Wing or not. Uh, so that's going to be an interesting thing to uh, to watch uh, as we go into the evening. Night number three of the Republican National Convention uh, going on tonight. Uh, some of the other featured speakers tonight that we'll be tracking, uh, Senator Joni Ernst uh, from Iowa, Republican. Uh, she is uh, a real force there in the United States Senate, also someone who could be considered a 2024 possibility. Senator Marsha Blackburn, a Republican from Tennessee. And then, of course, uh, from the 4th Congressional District race, Burgess Owen uh, will be speaking tonight. Uh, and I believe he recorded his in uh, Washington, D.C. Uh, yesterday, I believe. So his uh, speech is in the can and uh, ready to go. But that will air tonight. So it will be interesting to see where he goes uh, with his moment in the spotlight. These, these kind of big speeches are always fascinating. Who meets the moment? Uh, who really delivers something that is memorable and meaningful and uh, is helpful in their own election. So uh, that's going to be a fascinating one. And we're really looking forward to the conversations uh, with Burgess Owens and with Ben McAdams. Uh, uh, Ben McAdams has uh, really done some significant things out there in D.C. as a freshman, always difficult, always a challenge. And so he has a case to make to the people of the 4th District, and uh, Burgess Owens is new on the scene. A lot of people are just starting to learn about him. So that will be an interesting one. We'll definitely be having them uh, regularly on our airwaves here at KSL as we roll past Labor Day and into the fall contest where we are as a state. And more importantly, what comes next? I think a lot of folks are looking at, okay, we're getting towards Labor Day. Of course, we've been going big moonshot here uh, everybody doing everything they can. Uh, and then how do we engage from there? I think that's going to be a fascinating thing for all of us to watch as we open the economy up 
more, as we open society up more, as uh, kids are back in school, what happens? What's the dynamic? So there's a lot of questions out there for sure. And uh, I think everyone wants to know, what's the clarion call? What's the what's the leadership uh, rallying cry moving into the fall? So we'll uh, watch to see if uh, Governor Herbert lays that out in this press conference today, whether he uh, saves that and uh, waits until after Labor Day. I'm Boyd Matheson, opinion editor of the Deseret News. You're listening to KSL News Radio. We're going to go ahead and step aside for bottom of the hour news. When we come back, press conference live, Governor Gary Herbert and the Coronavirus Tax Force here on KSL. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another... Pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.